The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So today, I'm going to be talking to you about the cult of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Everyone's fairly familiar with them? Yes? No? Anyone doesn't know who they are? Who, what is another name they go by? Can someone tell me? Anyone? The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Now, what is a cult? Well, a cult can be many things. I found kind of a good definition. Excuse me. A cult is a group of religious people whose belief whose belief system and practices deviate significantly from and often contradict the Bible as interpreted by Orthodox Christianity. So we're going to be talking about them today. I'm going to give you some tools with which to deal and refute their false teachings. So let's have a word of prayer first. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity today. Lord, thank you that you've shown us the truth, that we can know you. We pray for people in cults, in isms, in false religions, Lord, who don't know the truth. They have a zeal, but it's, but it's not according to knowledge. Pray, Lord, that today as we study your word, we'll learn something new about you. We came here to study the Bible, and that's what we're going to do today, Father. So bless us, bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So have you ever been visited by these people? I've never, I've lived in pretty much the same house my whole life. I've never been visited by them. What, when they come to your door, what was the reaction you had? (laughs) Was it, were you fearful? Were you disgusted? Did you want to slam the door in their face? Were you excited? Well, I think after today, there might be some excitement. I think, I think that they, they do know the Bible. They, they run along a track. But I think that there's, there's scriptures that I'm going to give you today that can, that can be really, really helpful in, in bringing them to salvation. That's what we want to do. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, did you bring your Bible? You're going to need it. 1 Peter 3.15. And we read, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So today I will give you an excellent way to fulfill this command. We're going to study at the beginning two key scriptures that deal with the, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses and how they view the Trinity in the light of God's Word. So the Jehovah's Witnesses deny this doctrine, as do most non-Christian cults. And if we're going to reach these people, we must appeal to the one thing they claim to believe, and that's the Bible. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. This is the great passage where Moses is summoned 
by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Exodus 3.14 And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. The I am is a reference to the eternal God who transcends all human knowledge. The Jews spoke of him as the one who always was, the one who is, and the one who will always be, the eternal I am. Now turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and we'll read the words of Jesus Christ. So when we, we went to Exodus, we established that God is the I am. Now we're, now we're going to, in chapter 8, establish the same thing about Christ. It's critical in these passages, when you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, that you identify the Son of God. So in verse 51, we see Christ contending with the Jews. John eight fifty one. <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. John eight fifty six. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am you see that? So Jesus here takes the divine title and applies it to himself. I am the eternal God. Notice the immediate reaction in John 8:59. Then 
took they stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, these, weren't, these people weren't taking stones to chase him away. They wanted to kill him. Why would this one phrase so enrage them? Turn with me to John chapter 10. John 10.30 I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed thee, showed, excuse me, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? It's a legitimate question. Notice the response. The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we stone thee not. But for blasphemy, and because that, that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They knew exactly what Christ was claiming. So, as we've seen from the preceding verses, the foundation has been laid to begin to defend the central doctrine of the Christian faith, most attacked by the cult of the Watchtower, the Trinity. It's the doctrine of the very nature of God. Now, we can argue with them about many of their aberrant teachings, but we, but we, must, but we must pay particular attention, attention to this one. Because if you don't have the correct doctrine of the nature of God, you're lost. So this cult was founded in the 1870 by a man, by, by a man named Charles Taze Russell. It is an enormous empire. They churn out volumes of literature, canvas neighborhood after neighborhood, preaching their false religious system. They actually have a new tactic. Have you seen it? I, I, I travel all over the place, so I see, excuse me, they have kind of an easel. There's two of them, and they're kind of in sort of high traffic public areas now. Seen them? They have, I've never read what their thing says. I'm not really that interested. I just know it's them. And they, they have some, some verses or what have you, and they're out there witnessing. I mean, and they're everywhere. They really put us to shame in their zeal. But as Romans 10, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 2 and 3 tells us, it is not according to knowledge. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10, verse 2. Romans 10, 2. For I bear, bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So they have ideas, but they're not biblical ideas. The Watchtower does not believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is true God. And they do not believe in the personality of the Holy Spirit. They believe that the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force. But what does the Bible say about it? In order to be effective when discussing this topic with the Watchtower, we must establish a baseline by defining our terms. What do we mean when we say the doctrine of the Trinity? We can define it in these terms. Within the nature of the one God, there are three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And these three share the same attributes. Very simply, within God's nature, we can discern three distinct persons, and these three persons are the one God. That is the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. Admittedly, this doctrine is difficult to comprehend. Our minds cannot fully grasp uh, the depths of the eternal, immutable God. But we can apprehend what the Bible says about him. We can understand it. We can demonstrate that the doctrine of the Trinity is clearly taught in Scripture. And we can use these verses, the ones in Exodus and uh, John chapter 8 and 10, to to combat the false teachings of the Watchtower. So, to, to continue on that baseline, the Jehovah's Witnesses will readily agree that there is only one God. It, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10. Isaiah 43.10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. So the question is, can we show that there are really three persons? Can we show that the three persons are are all called God? So can we show that there's three persons? Can we show that the three persons are all called God? If we can do that, and we know that the Bible teaches that there is only one God, then then we're led to only one possible conclusion. That is, things equal to the same thing are equal to each other. Therefore, the three persons are the one God. This is what the Jehovah's Witness needs to know. So, let's continue. You can mark these down, take, the, take these references, and the next time you are confronted with a Jehovah's Witness, you can take your Bible and you can take them right through this. They have no answers for these questions. Their New World Translation has destroyed many Bible passages. Uh, what is it? John 1, 1 I think, is, uh, is one of the key ones where it says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, they changed the, that to was a God. But these texts that I'm going to give you, and you can just go down with them, go down systematically with them and refute their teachings because they haven't changed these verses. We can pretend we're talking to one right now. So we ask the first question. Is there a person called the Father in the New Testament, and is he called God? Turn with me to Second Peter one seventeen. Is there a person called the Father in the New Testament, and is he called God? Second Peter one seventeen. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my son, this is my beloved son, excuse me, in whom I am well pleased. So, God the Father, clearly shown in 2 Peter 1.17. Now, we've learned two specific things from this text. There is a person called the Father, 
and he is identified as God. There is no other possible conclusion. The Jehovah's Witness will have to agree with you. 2 Peter 1.17. Number two, there is a person called the Son. They will agree with that too. So next, is the Son identified as God? Well, we prove that in John chapter 8 and 10. But this is absolutely devastating to the Watchtower. They have no answers for these. So we're going to go through a progression. So follow me. Go to Revelation 1.8. Has any of you ever heard this before? Has this, is this new to anyone? Or do you guys? Okay, good. <clears throat> Revelation 1.8. I am Alpha and Omega, <clears throat> the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. No one will argue that Alpha and Omega is Jehovah God, right? Mark that. They won't argue with you. No one will argue with you. So now turn with me to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7. Revelation 22, 7. <clears throat> Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. As we continue, we see a repetition. Go down to Revelation 22 and verse 12. <clears throat> and behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Okay, so Alpha and Omega is speaking again. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and last. No problem. The Jehovah's, the Jehovah's Witness will not argue. Alpha and Omega is Jehovah God. Okay, so now go back to Revelation 1.8 again. <clears throat> I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Perfect identification of Jehovah God in both Revelation 1.8 and Revelation 22.13. You with me? Okay, good. Now look at this. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book. And send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. 
and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as of the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me and said unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Revelation 18, 118. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Who is this person? It's devastating. It's devastating. How are they going to answer this? They've already admitted that Alpha and Omega, first and last, beginning and end, is God. Now they're confronted with Jesus Christ taking that same title, applying it to himself. Revelation 1 8, Revelation 22 13, Revelation 1 17 and 18. One more on Christ, if you needed one. Turn with me to Hebrews 1 8. Hebrews 1.8 But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Another identification is Christ as God. This is a quote from Psalm 45.6. Now finally, is there a person called the Holy Spirit? And is he identified as God? Acts 5.1. Please turn with me to Acts 5.1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep part to keep back part of the price of the land. Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Here it is. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You cannot lie to an impersonal force. You can only lie to a person. So, when we look at Exodus, John, Revelation, Hebrews, and Acts, we have, well, I call it a simple way. Maybe it's not that simple, but it's an effective way to witness to the witnesses. 
I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that it's not us that convinces them. It's the Spirit of God that works through the Word of God. If we look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We have to be faithful and simply preach the Word. One last scripture, Hebrews 4.12. Wow, I've got a lot of time left. I thought I was going to be <laughs> I thought I was going to be out of time. <clears throat> okay, I'll stretch this verse out. I'll read it really sl- I'll read it really slowly. Okay. <clears throat> for the word of God, Hebrews 4:12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Coming to this church, okay, well, I'll add something since I have a little bit of extra time. Coming to this church, I always thought it was up to me to win people to Christ. It was my job. I had to convince them. I had to come up with some technique. I had to close the deal. And I wasn't a really good witnesser. I didn't, I didn't talk to people about Christ that much because it was so intimidating to be like, okay, I'm going to meet somebody. I've got five seconds. What am I going to say to them in this, in this short period of time and bring them all the way to repentance? And it was just too much pressure. I couldn't do it. Um, since coming to this church and, and really understanding that it's the, it's the Spirit of God that does the work, that he has to change the heart, uh, it's, it's given me... It's, I'm much more relaxed because I know that for any, even if you meet like a, a, a Jehovah's Witnesses, a, a witness or a Mormon or any, any unbeliever, you just have to be faithful in the, the moment that you have, either by the, the testimony of your life or just giving them a Bible verse. Um, God will use that. His, his word will not come back to him void. He'll use it. And we don't have to close the deal. We just have to be faithful. We have to use the sword and preach the word and be faithful. And if we don't do it, it's, uh, it's going to be left to the cults to do it. And they're out there, and they're doing it every day. We should, we should be as zealous for the truth as they are for a lie. That's it. Thank you. They're very well-versed, um, and it's a shame that we aren't more well-versed. I mean, we, I think sometimes we come here, and it's just like we punch a clock. You know, we're just, we're just, we're just doing our, our duty. Uh, one thing I t- was talking to Jorge about, one of, th- one of the things that this has done for me, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm, up, I'm up here. I really can't. Five years ago when I came to this church, I never thought I'd ever have the privilege of standing here. But it's, it's what it's done for me is it's forced me to, to be in God's word, to study. I can't, you can't phone this in. You can't just be like, well, I'm going to try to figure something out. You guys won't appreciate that. And I could never, I could never even imagine coming up here unprepared. And so the thing is, is that 
um, not everyone can maybe do this, but I, you know that's kind of what I thought. I could I could never come up here and do anything and bring anything that was that was valuable, and and help uh, help my understanding or your understanding. But the thing is, is that um, if if we're just if we're just coming to church, if that's where we're getting the majority of our of our learning about the Word of God, I mean that's totally important. It's so it's it's critical. But um, if we're not studying the Bible on our own, we are um, we're not going to be effective. We're not going to be effective, and we need to be effective because I mean we look at our church; it's small. It shouldn't be. It should be packed. You know, with what's being preached here, we should we should be able to this this church should be full of people. But it's not. And it's because we are not being faithful. We really aren't. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm saying that of myself, too. You know? I mean, we should invite someone to church every day and let God convict them and bring them in. Well, they expect to have people that are kind of ignorant. And it's funny, I have a, a story on my quest to understand more about God because I, I couldn't really speak to any of their false teachings um, because I didn't really know any of it. So I learned a lot, I learned a lot, and I, and I would see these, these missionaries like walking around, and I would just stop and talk to them. I haven't done that in years because it's, it's so exhausting. Because you, they, are, they are, first of all, they don't know anything. Like they said, they run on the tra- this track, and, and, that's, and that's really all they, they know. You get them off the track, and they, and they want to leave. Um, so I actually got this great video. I could lend, it's a, it's a, it's a um, video cassette. I don't know if it even could be watched on any um, transferred or whatever. I'm sure there's a DVD. But anyway, I, I invited these, these, these missionaries to my home and let them watch this, this video. They actually came, and we watched about 45 minutes of it. And it was basically, it was an excellent video contrasting what the, what the Mormons teach versus what the Bible teaches. And after about that 45 minutes, they, they were like, we have to go. And, and I always kind of felt the same way. I'm like, what do you mean you have to go right in the middle of this thing, right? Um, but I think that I have, there's probably a map in, in San Rafael at the, the, the Mormon ward, right? And there's probably a big X on my house because, I, because they know me, or they did know me. And so, yeah, but um, it's, it's, uh, it's true. It's totally true. They don't, they don't, they, they want to, proselytize you and evangelize you with their doctrine, but if, you're, if they're confronted with somebody that actually knows what they're talking about, uh, they leave quickly, very quickly. And I do, I chase them, you know? I'll, I'll chase them down. Yeah, there's a mission field on our front door. And it's funny because they're earning, just like the Mormons and all the other cults are earning their way to heaven. And they're pounded that you have to get out there and and, and build, build up the church so that you're going to earn your way to salvation. I think that's kind of the problem, is that with Christians, we know that our salvation is secure in Christ. We're not, we don't have to earn it or work for it. And so I think we can get complacent. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, 
you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.